Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. I thought I heard a clip. You were uh, you were born to be kind of like a I don't know mascot. I was. You ma- just always have. You always my- have kind of the pump up songs in your head. I love mascots. Welcome to the podcast, Catholic stuff you should know. Father Nathan, Father John, in welcome, the bo- welcome back, folks. In the bowels of the Schloss. We're in the Schloss, and it is a snowy October morning. Yes, thank God we got a snow day. He got a snow day. We got a late start. Uh, and uh, Jefferson County, I'm in Jefferson County now, and John's in Denver County, Denver Public. And so Denver Public Schools closed last night, and Jefferson County uh, closed, uh, only did a half day. It was great. We were, I was watching the Game 6 of the World Series with the guys, everybody was in the room, and it just came on the bar below, doo, 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 you know, Da-da-da. weather announcement. Denver Public Schools closed tomorrow, and it was just like eruptions of joy. Yep. So, oh, yeah. But in classic seminary mode, you can't ever give a guy like an actual day off. You're like, well, you better be there at 3 o'clock for seminary appeal conference. And then right. Cardinal Burke's going to have a talk, and it's like these guys. I, I actually got into an argument with uh, one of our professors because she said, you had the entire day off. How could you not, how could you not get this done? And I said, well, technically, if you think about it, we didn't get the whole day off. Because there are certain bodily functions that still take time. Yep. There are still, uh, you know, holy hours to be prayed and masses to be said. And, you know, so instead of using the hour that I was given back for instead of going to class, I use that making biscuits and gravy. Right. It's not like I had the entire day. I just had that day. Right. And then, so, that, and then that sets into place another progression and set of bowel bowel movements i didn't say anything about bowel movements but yes bodily bodily functions yes but then also like i mean you know once you do that like once you consume inordinate quantities of gravy then you have to take a nap of course um and then you feel guilty about yourself that you slept that long or you ate that much gravy so then you get outside and you play some snow football and then you gotta you know eat some uh you know i don't know hot chocolate or or whatever, and and then by then it's like time to go to sleep. I mean, I I, I I was busy the whole day. Yeah, I feel like Kramer, you know, from you know when when he's just like at at work, like eating crackers at his desk, and he's just like, man, I just was working all day, you know. Yep. Now we believe in you know human freedom, but on snow days, there's kind of a causal necessity that sets in. You know, it's just he, kind of like we're it's just predetermined. It's like you know. Yeah, Father Matt, uh, my parochial vicar, I'm pretty sure like he was not accustomed to uh, made breakfast, like mm-hmm. uh, cooked breakfast. So he's like, uh, he said to me, hey, uh, we're still meeting at 9.30 a.m. today, because we usually meet on Wednesdays at 9.30. And I look at him and I go, snow day. And he was kind of like, we live together. Yep. You know, and I'm like, uh, I mean, it's just all bets are off. Right. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's snow day's kind of, it's not so much about just getting rid of re it's not about rescheduling things it's like a totally different you go into a different universe mm-hmm. of like like i wore pajamas into holy hour this morning why you did it's a snow day wait like did the rest of the guys yeah oh good did you yeah. tell them i just that's just presumed chapel casual gentlemen chapel casual you you just go into you go into a different universe right right it's just yeah it's it's it is meet and just i actually thought about uh 
doing my pot. I mean, I'll give you the you give you the option. We can either do uh, the snow day homily as a podcast that you remember that Gronsky would give. Right. Or I have a different topic. I want to hear about snow day. Really? Yeah. Do you remember that? No. Oh, was I there? No, I don't remember. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. I, I think track that the, of uh, most of the time, John. I just think with, when snow days come, the temptation is now I got to do everything that I'm behind on, right? And it's just like now I got to work, 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 work. And you got your mom calling you in the morning, mom and dad. Hey, good morning. What are you up to today? I got a snow. I finally catching my breath here. Would you get those uh, tires, snow tires on? No, did not. Haven't done it. We talked about this like six hours ago, and six hours before that, we talked about this. You know. This is for She's people worried. whose parents are are retired. This is what happens when you come back from Rome, though. I mean, like, you know, they want to make sure that you're you're all right. I know, but I'm like, the last thing I want to do is go sit at Costco for three hours and, you know, try because samples. Because everybody, everybody else is And doing get it. your snow tires. I'll get my snow tires. Do you eat the samples at Costco? Nah, I don't know. I don't go to Costco. I avoid that place as much as possible. I don't go to grocery stores. You don't work. I've been living in an you institution. <laughs> no, I've been living in an institution. I lived in a family until I was 18. Right. And then I moved into an institution. It's true. And I have been there for literally- Institutional living, right. All, the, almost the last 20 years with, with a small block of four years where I was in a parish, but I had people who actually yeah. came in and said, you want blueberries? I got you covered. Yeah, that's- Ty so, Gilbert. Ty, yep. And, oh, uh, and then the different people who helped us at Queen of Peace. I never I had would, to go to the I store and get open, blueberries. I would open the I would open the freezer and there would be a different kind of ice cream that either he made, Ty made, or um, Musset made. Yeah, and I would be like, "What? Well, this is this is amazing, right? No, this is what called, was the name of that lady? Was this is it, our bourgeois existence, right? No, what, was it Martha? Was it Martha, the lady from uh, um, Queen of Peace? Queen of Peace that her she's from Jersey. Oh yeah, Martha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Martha. I did. I mention my brother was a Mon- Monsignor. Yeah, she was from Boston. Oh, she was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Mary. Mary was her Mary. Name. Yeah, Mary no. from Boston. Exactly. Yeah. So this is this is how these things. Well, that's the work. temptation. That's the temptation. So this was the homily that Gronsky gave years ago on snow days. So this is important. I mean, I think this is a great opportunity for us uh, to kind of enlighten the rest of the world. You know, because there, we have a lot of a lot of people who are from either I don't know Arizona or you know California, and I don't know if they get I don't know if they get snow days. Yeah, I mean, like, do you get mud days or rain days, earthquake days? They get earthquake days for sure. But, um, anyways, so so what Gronsky was saying was that part of the reason why snow days are such a delight to the rest of us is it's an absolute eruption of God's power mm. that we think we're in control. Trains run moderately on time. We do these things at these times, and this is how the days will, will go ad eternum. And instead, what God does is say, actually, I want to create something new. And there's something about a fresh snowfall that is new. Yeah, like in my chapel, it overlooks so beautiful. Uh, it overlooks uh, this beautiful pond, and there's, uh, you know, we had some great snowfall and these pine trees and everything else. But then one guy, one guy decided that he was just going to walk around <laughs> on the the snow and just ruin ruin the little you know impression right. because there's something about fresh perfect snowfall. pristine snow exactly yeah. right. where nobody else has been. 
was the guy just walking in circles outside of the chapel or I think he just walked down to the to the front door but it's right right where the the window overlooks so you just see these footprints animal tracks look nice but yeah, there was are, there were some bunny tracks, and yeah. I did actually say to myself, "Thanks a lot, bunny." Yeah, you know, <laughs> but 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 I think the point is that there's a way in which snow days show that that God ultimately is sovereign. Right. Oh, I think that's true. That's so Goronsky. And what happens is that when we're forced to acknowledge again the sovereignty of God, then we actually live with a new spontaneity and freedom. Mm-hmm. One of the best things about snow days is just it's like you re-encounter people. You're back in relationship because we're sitting here. I came over because it was biscuits and gravy, which I love, and Goebel makes their killer. killer. It was a little runny today. Yeah. I would have liked a little thicker. Here's the secret. I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to divulge my secret, folks, okay? It's from a can. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, no, the gravy, you got to put cayenne pepper and nutmeg. Wow. You balance the savory with a little spice. Yeah. This is a guy whose love language is food. So just remember love that. language Bo- is he butter. He both gives and receives in this mode. Yeah. So I, I just so think you encounter people again. You encounter people. Like this morning, we changed the time. Seminarians are so funny. I'm sitting around. We're rejoicing. Snow day tomorrow. And then I'm like, okay, we usually have mass at 630 on Wednesdays Ooh. and dinner at 5. No, yeah. that's, the, that's the sleeping day because usually holy hours at 6. So Ooh. Wednesday, you'll... So I'm sitting at the table. I'm like, okay, what time do we want to do mass tomorrow? 6 a.m. 6.30. And I was like, what? Are you guys like robots? Like seriously? Right. Seminary, like are you machines? Uh, And then I'm finally like, no, we're going to do mass at 8. Optional holy hour at 7 if you want, but 8 o'clock. Right. And they're like, oh, thank God. And I was just like, what goes through your mind when you say, let's do everything. But it's like, we get to actually receive the gift of a little extra sleep, and we feel guilty because we're not hardcore enough. Yeah. Because if you don't live hardcore, right? It's just like... Cause, well, because you have to go back to the routine. Yeah. This is what we do every day. So, Which are great. Routines are great. Order's great. Yes. But it's nice to break it, too. This is Saturday morning as a kid, right? We lived a very ordered life as children growing up in the Nepple House, and it was great. But Saturday mornings, you keep the footy pajamas on, you watch you watch Muppet Babies and you build Legos and you just it's like you get to break. Until he was routine. like twenty four. Honestly, you know how hard it is to get those footies on size twelve shoe. True. Yeah, they still make adult footy pajamas. I think I've tried it. it they're a little too hot. <laughs> for a year, for a year or so, I had the uh, the red bag. Yeah, you remember that thing? <laughs> yeah, that thing with the butt flap. <laughs> yeah, I did. That thing was really. That was thing was really you wore hard. That, you, didn't you wear that for like an entire winter in North Dakota? Or is that yeah, yeah, that was yeah, that was pretty much close at hand. I think these are good principles. I mean, Grodsky just gave that homily where it was like, you know, God's God's action, you know, whatever. But I I think it's he probably had more depth to it than that. But just trying to recall, you know, something of the the same logic. One, I think it brings us into relationship, and the second is I think it it brings us to play, yeah, to leisure, because there's a reason why guys don't say, "Yay, snow day." Let's go back to study. <laughs> well, know? but that's what the seminary said. I got a text this morning saying, make sure your guys study all day, and they're not allowed to leave. Not allowed to leave. Did they say that? Oh, my gosh. So I'm just like... President Snow over here. Hand them all a rose. Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's like... We will have a quarter quell from the households. Yeah, one tribute. 
They, you know, they did that. They did that back in the day. They said, "I'm like that." It was a, um, it was a study day, not a snow day. Right. Okay, and what we did was, I mean, today with me today uh, was Father Jacob Schneider from the Diocese of Dodge City. He's staying in my house, and so with Jake, I have somebody with just as good hospitality skills and one that I can actually entrust right. certain cooking tasks to. However, could you tell that he made the eggs today? Yeah, definitely. That's why I said, what's in these eggs? That was not... That was not Goble eggs. Not Goble eggs. Your quality's slipping. That wasn't me. You're delegating. I know, I was delegating. <laughs> delegating. That was when I went to... That was whenever I went to the shower. You can Any usually of, trust large people to cook good food. Oh, he made he He's made the most man. unbelievable pod roast last night, so that's fine. But what I'm saying is, Jake was at Mag House, and what we did was we said, "All right, everybody, lunch or breakfast will be at 10 a.m." So everybody study, quote study from like 8 a.m. until 10 a.m., and then we had a big breakfast. Great, but like you can't just keep cracking the whip. I know. I said to Gronsky once, "This is my new line: hot breath does not make flowers grow." What do you think about mm, that? Interesting. Because sometimes the people just say, maybe if I just yell at you more, maybe if I just you know bear down on you more, you'll produce more. Yeah. But when you see people like with flowers or with like plants or whatever, and they're talking to their plants, they're not screaming at the plants to grow. Right. They're sort of delicately spraying water on them. Whatever. Right. Now, here's what I would say. Um, if I was Brady Wagner, Father Brady Wagner, he's the great... He's always the... Uh, you have the the um, he's always like takes the other side. Devil's Thesis, advocate. antithesis. That's what I was looking for. Thank you, Hegelian. Mm-hmm. He's the antithesis constantly. And you're always the synthesis. I'm always the synthesis. You you called me the synthesis on Monday night. Really? There was a great, robust, high octane companions conversation, okay. which required several major apologies afterwards. True, but it was exciting. We got on the topic of clericalism, which would be actually very interesting to reflect on because. Um, a lot of people blame abuse on clericalism, and clericalism is one of these words that has been used to just beat uh, beat young priests and seminarians, and yeah. uh, it's it's kind of a catch-all for every mistake and power grab that every cleric ever does. So anyways, we had a very interesting conversation about that, um, and I, I was, that has nothing to do with anything except you called me the synthesis. The synthesis. It was an off-cohoban, right? So yeah, so Brady's always the antithesis, and... Uh, Give it to me. He would say this. He would say, we're living in a culture of perpetual adolescence. These guys are still trying to live out their adolescent millennial life, and so we have to keep the hot breath on them, and we got to form them in discipline and virtue because they don't know how to grow up. They don't know how to work hard. This is not easy company from Band of Brothers, you know, um, and that generation. That's what he would say. Now, I think there's truth in that, yep. but seminary life is really, it, it's a grind. It's a continual grind. You don't go to boot camp for nine years. It's not just it's not just seminary life. If he's saying that it's uh, if he's saying that it's you know perennial adolescence, that's going on everywhere. Okay, right. so okay, we'll expand our horizon a little bit more. And what I would say is, thank God Father Brady doesn't listen to this because I'm speaking on his behalf. But I just I know I know him well, well enough. Watch he, I live with him. Well, I got I got I accused well of enough. multiple straw men the other day, and I was just like, oh, watch me, scarecrow. Um, <laughs> the uh, but the point the point is that uh gosh dang it lost it come on man i lost it it's gone no it's there it's off the uh oh perpetual adolescence so 
you can't just say that everybody is just playing around doing all those things. And at the same time, you, you can't just say what we need to do is return to order and regularized, you know, schedules or whatever else. It's a little bit of both. And I was even thinking of Easy Company because, like, they didn't become the kind of fighting machine by just sort of saying, guys, whatever you want, sleep in however you want, wear whatever you want, you know, do anything. There was actually something, because you're past the Sobel stage. Uh, yeah. So Sobel is this, you know, drill sergeant. Nobody likes. Sounds like Goble, just a little bit. You wish. <laughs> he was kind of. Anyways, uh, but uh, so he, he kind of forms them into something. But it's their response to his um regularization and yelling and you know kind of whatever that he thinks he's got them because at one point you know they they have to eat a bunch of spaghetti and then run up uh, Kurahi uh, up this mountain and they're all puking and everything else and and he's just like ah, I got these guys but then what do they do remember they sing yeah they sing yeah. they sing and these men know how to sing together and they keep running they're they're holding each other up, but they're still singing. That's what I would want from my seminarians. Right. That's what I would want from the people in the that are trying to live the Christian life. Because the Christian life isn't just like do whatever you want, live however you want, no judgment, love wins. It's like, no, there really is an order. However, sometimes that order can become oppressive because we're seeing it in the wrong way. Instead of it lending to structure and, and lending to life, it becomes you know, kind of weighty, oppressive, etc. So there are moments where God says, I'm in control. Not the rector, not the mayor, not the, you know, moral theology professor. I mean, the other day, literally, I was not looking forward to RCA. I had to teach on uh, Christology and Trinity. I am not... Small topics. Yeah, in the same class. I'm like, Ugh. So anyways, but we're getting into that. And I'm like, I haven't had time to prepare. And I was like, I was, I was feeling the whole day, I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Like, I'm going to have to set aside two hours, and, and I don't know how I'm going to do it, whatever. And then all of a sudden, the snow came, and I was like, thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yep. Because God's in control. Right. No, it's a, bit of, it's a bit of taste of mercy, you know? And I think a true ordered life, like, we're all now, I think that this is the last group of the original companions who have now are just men who are in a committed long-term kind of place like everybody's kind of stabled in the sense of like pastors professors or whatever in the seminary and um we love the ordered life and i've watched you live a very ordered life but in your own way and mine as well in its own way but yeah order has to exist for the sake of deeper freedom so that it could so that it can translate into love right and sometimes there has to be there just has to be an acknowledgement of human weakness, of freedom. We need snow days. The world needs snow days, right? Yeah. We need seasons. Yeah. We need, we need, that's why it's so weird to live in a place that's not seasonal. Like, um, I don't know, Florida, no offense if you're in Florida right now, but it's just like, it's just strange. And, mm -hmm. and even Rome had kind of had seasons, but it, but it was hard to kind of, life has to move through these phases. It can't just be this kind of cold, static, I'm up at four every morning, unload the dishwasher in the chapel by 4.10, three holy hours. I remember that. Yeah, you lived in the midst of that. And right. uh, and that kind of, that's just, it's just this, it's mechanical, it's not human. And 
Again, the litmus test of, of true spiritual growth, we learn this from Goronsky over and over again, is is human. This is humanity. But what I like I like about what you said is that it's actually a testament to mercy. And that to me is one of the central questions of the Christian life. Is there mercy and can I receive it? Yeah. Like I I was talking to somebody the other day. It's a completely different topic. I want to do I want to do a podcast on it. But ultimately the the question that was boiled down to was can I be forgiven? If you if you ask that question, if you if you if you separate every single thing out of what's going on in the church, what's going on in your your marriage, what's going on in uh, the state or whatever, just pause and think about that question for a while. Can I be forgiven? If the answer is no, if you actually answer on the side of no, you will live your life a very different way. Yeah, and there's two ways to answer no. There's to have a moral criteria, so to speak, to embrace a moral structure that your existence has to conform to Uh and to reject the failure to live that forgiveness or get rid of the whole structure. See, this whole kind of license, Mm -hmm. this this whole kind of postmodern, we've moved beyond Christian morality. Um, Because what I was thinking about, I was like, there's only one thing... There's only one hobby in, in postmodernity that they love that people love more than um, showcasing the sins and the hypocrisies of Christians, and that is to mock Christian morality. Yeah. I think that that's actually more a more beloved pastime than the showcasing of Christian failure, um, and that is a reject. That's a refusal for forgiveness, also, because if there's no such thing as moral failure, if everybody, if there's no such thing as sin, there's no such thing as forgiveness. Yeah. And that's the tragedy of the world we're living in, yeah. is that everybody wants to live this nice, perfect existence where we're all going to go to heaven because we're just good people because we recycle, right? And I don't know, we, we, we drive electric cars now. Everything's fine. There's no sin, so there's no forgiveness. Sin is structural. Sin is political. Sin is economic. Sin is in other countries. It's in other religions. It's, it's in the Christian faith. It's not in our nice secular mm-hmm. society, you know? Yeah, that was Boulder. That was the world I lived in in Boulder. Yeah, and it's Cherry Creek too, right now, where I'm, I'm working as a priest, and I, I preach against it a lot. Yeah, I mean, there is nothing, there's nothing more chilly to me than living in a quote perfect environment. Like going back to a podcast that maybe you would like to forget, but uh, Chateau de la Rose. Oh my god! But the the disorder. I forgive you. I forgive you. That's uh, oh, oh, is that what you're saying? It's not your fault. I forgive. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Not you too. Okay. But like you said, living in that disorder, living in that disorder actually allowed you to feel a little more free. Right. Whereas sometimes, like I have to spend excessive time in the airport, and and not even just the airport because that's such a that's such a false environment. But like, I don't know, like. Say like somebody's house where everything's perfect, everything's meticulously apportioned, whatever else, but you can tell that there's something else going on. I mean, I haven't seen the movie Get Out. You know about this movie? Mm-hmm. Key and Peel. You know Key and Peel? Yeah. The one guy is actually uh Jordan Peel is an amazing producer and he made this movie called Get Out, which is where they go to these people's houses and they're all smiling and everything's great, but actually like they're they're murderers. You know, like they're, it's terrifying. 
And that's where it's like when things are a little dis- disordered, you can say, oh, okay, I don't have to be. I don't have to be in control. I don't have to have everything, everything together. An extreme example of that was Garonsky would always talk about how the, you know, the commandant of Auschwitz, next right next to the prison was his house with that perfect garden, you know, and the kids playing their Mozart, and everything was just perfect. Right next to this, one of the greatest atrocities in the history of the world, and and, and that's that kind of thing of like how we compartmentalize everything, and we take order. And we we make it extreme. And uh, Germans, we don't know anything about this, but you know other other cultures, uh, maybe they do. Well, Just, I tell you what, a, I mean, joke. Larkin Larkin one time drove me up uh, around um, where did, where did he Ken Carroll? He drove me around Ken Carroll. I'd never been back in that area before. That's where he grew up, and that's where the Columbine shooter was from. Right. And he showed me where his house was. Right. I mean, idyllic. Yeah. Completely idyllic, and yet inside, just dead men's bones. Right. Just tombs. And uh, the disorder, the chaos, but but I would I think that I think that's a um, what is salutary exercise. I've been thinking more and more about that. Can I be forgiven? Can can is God is God capable of forgiving? Because if He's not, I like the rest of my life is pretty sad. I was digging up on. Um the question of faith and justification, because I realize I don't really understand this area very well, and i got to teach uh, faith now in fundamental theology. So I was just kind of reviewing um, kind of Luther's understanding of um, justification. And, you know, this is the, the question for him. And uh, what's interesting is that it's, as you know, it, he has a, 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 a judicial or forensic understanding of how justification happens, which means you're really not, there's not an intrinsic change it says God deems you justified. Right? The snowfall. The snowfall, right? Do you know what that is? Yeah. Do you want to explain that? Yeah, so human nature being the dung and grace being like snow falling on top of it. Which I've so ever, when, God, when God looks upon the pile of crap, he only sees the snow. Right. So. Another thing is that you're wrapped in the cloak. Mm. So you're covered with the cloak of, of God's grace, but it doesn't actually penetrate. So, But the whole point of that is to mm. say... That you're still you're simul justus et peccator. You're simultaneously justified and a sinner. Now, in in one sense, this is true. But what happens is that um, there's actually no change. Grace does not actually permeate and change the nature. So you, you remain totally depraved, totally broken, yeah. completely destroyed. Um, but God says, "Nope, you're justified. You're justified in Christ." And the act of faith for Luther is what we call fides fiducialis, right? It's the, do you remember that? It's the, it's the confident faith, the confident kind of blind trust and experience that I have received God's mercy. But you don't know if you have. You don't know. Oh, really? Well, you, don't, you, you know in yourself, but that's, that's it. There's no, there's no other sense of that. Hmm. And so it's this kind of inner experience that Luther actually had, and he had you know, terrible scruples in these things. Um, so I say that because that's a very different understanding of forgiveness. To say I just trust that True. it's over, True. but I'm still completely broken by it. Right? Mm-hmm. Is, is there an element of healing? Is there actually some kind of perfecting of nature that happens through the act of forgiveness? So, not to take it on a tangent, but I was just thinking about how it's like if, if you have an understanding of that, of like, yeah, your wife forgives you, but still thinks you're a piece of crap. That's not the same thing. Right. As the the act of forgiveness is actually 
the way that we come into healing. And I'm thinking about that more and more with with uh, priests, is that when we get isolated from each other uh, and we don't live in relationship, we don't actually have the opportunity to reconcile, mm-hmm. which means to say, I forgive you. You're really annoying. I hate that you do this, but I forgive you, and I love you, not hypothetically, you. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Right. Again, Brady Wagner, right? You're so annoying. I can't. I'm just joking. He's one of the least annoying people. Um, but if you never have that, then I don't know how human growth and healing happens. I don't know how it. Like I, I'm working with some guys and 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 some people in spiritual direction who holiness is like it's a self it's a self manufactured project. I need to grow in self knowledge yes. so that I can make myself holy, so that I can love Jesus more. That's great. Guess how you're going to do that yeah. by finding yourself in the messy network of relationships, which are essential to your to human existence. Mm-hmm. And if you're not actually praying into the mess, which is human relationships, then I don't know. I don't know what kind of paradigm or, or path you're on, but I don't think that's the way to holiness. And it and it's intrinsic to becoming holy is when people say to you, "I love you and I forgive you." And I, and I say that because you're not that, mm-hmm. which is very different than in, you know Lutheran non-imputative justification. So mm. that kind of took a different direction. But. No, I love it. I mean, I. I personally think that there is a real temptation to make uh, this the whole of life about uh, self uh, perfection uh, instead of uh, uh, the opposite or the the Christian understanding would be being perfected. Um, so, yeah, I I don't know. I, I had to I had to make an apology after this spirited discussion on Monday, as you know. And I, ha- I sat there in holy hour for uh, over 35 minutes. Normally, it's really hard for me to pray for uh, a half hour, you know, like be silent. I mean, I'll pray my office of readings, you know, maybe do some spiritual reading, whatever. But like to really sit in the presence of the Lord, that wasn't hard on, on uh, Monday or Tuesday because I just sat there for 30 minutes just saying, I shouldn't have to apologize. This is ridiculous. Right. I cannot believe that I'm being forced to humiliate myself and do this. Right. And then I went on with my day. Went on with my day, you know, sort of, you know, kind of had some different meetings, et cetera, et cetera. Then eventually, I'm driving down to the dentist. Clock is ticking. Clock is ticking. And I'm driving, and all I'm thinking to myself is, why do I have to, why do, I have to do this? This is so dumb. Like, I can't believe that I have to, whatever. And I, I passed some point on the road. You know where you have these markers and you're like, all right, I got to make a decision by the time I drive past Red Rocks or something. So I drive past Red Rocks and I'm like, forget it. So I, I say to Siri, call, da, 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 da. So I call this person and I just get it out. I just have to say exactly what I know I need to apologize for and whatever. As soon as I said uh, what I needed to say in terms of I asked for forgiveness, whatever, this person said, I forgive you. And I immediately realized that I needed to hear him say that. Yeah. Because I was justifying myself and I would have continued to justify myself having never apologized. But having apologized meant that it was done. Yeah. And related to that, this week, you know, we did our homilies on uh, the abuse crisis. I had to apologize for things that were, you know, 30, 40, you know, however many years old. And I I had to actually say, even though I was like, why am I apologizing for things that I didn't do? Why am I apologizing for things that 
somebody else needs to come forward and apologize for. But having said it, I felt a lot better, mm-hmm. and the people were actually feeling a lot better, and it was at least out in the open. Yeah. Instead of why should I, why should we have to do this? I think that the church should be better, maybe better at apologizing instead of never having to apologize. Yeah, I think that's true. And and tying this back into the question of the snow day, um, why does God send us snow days um, to show us His sovereignty, which reveals to us again the limitations and the kind of contingency of our life? And I feel like the big the big existential snow day, so to speak, is when a, a beloved friend or family is dying, because then everything is gone. Nothing matters, mm. and it's like. That's it. One of the most free and beautiful months of my life was the month after my dad's stroke because life completely simplified. Yeah. And it was it was just back to the basics and nothing else mattered. And you actually let people help you. And last week I had a bit of an existential snow day when I found out that a really good friend of mine was dying uh, in, in final days, been struggling with cancer for years, uh, and that this was... I needed to go up there immediately and and say goodbye. And I knew I was going to say goodbye. And as a priest, you have the, the great gift of bringing the sacraments, apostolic pardon, viaticum, and these things. What I didn't realize was that I needed to apologize. And it was something that came on the drive up. And I was like, well, you got to own that. And it was from years ago. And it was a, it's a big thing. And uh, I tell you what, I sat down and his wife was there with us. And I said, you know, can we have a minute and man-to-man conversation here? And I just went for it. And um, it was one of the most beautiful things ever because, like you're saying, I was released, I was free, and it was over. And I was able to tell him and honor him for some things that I've loved and never told him, uh, the ways that I admire him. Told him I love him, gave him apostolic pardon, and said goodbye. And we knew when we were hugging, we were this was goodbye in this life, right? And, uh, yeah, I just, I, I'm struggling to see both my resistance to ask for forgiveness and then also my sanguine uh, desire to apologize excessively just for a quick fix. Just so, you know what I mean? That's the other extreme. And so to find the middle ground here of like authentic apologies, if you don't have the snow days, you you don't get back in touch with the heart. You don't get, you have to have the rest and the release and the quiet. And that's why Garonsky just, he, as the spiritual father of the seminary, he just, he was just aware of, the way the human heart works, and you need the snow days in life to kind of reset things. They're not an absence from work or an opportunity for more work. They actually, it's like a reset button right. on the phone, or, or it's just a, it's or a, on whatever. It just shuts it down, and then you you kind of reawaken to the the deeper things, and that begins in God's sovereignty. That's the that's the connection, and that's the great point um, from this at the beginning, is that without that reference. Without living in reference to that sovereign act, really experienced, yeah. God just shut down the whole city for snow. Yeah, I don't actually get back in touch with my my own limitations, my own creatureliness, and ultimately the way that I need to posture my life towards flourishing and happiness. Yeah, and then ultimately, then I have to figure out a way to be in control again. So then I just keep running myself into the same wall right. instead of just, you know, allowing myself to receive that. So then the question is, as house father of, you know, Sacred Heart household, I mean, off the record, of course, because I don't think the formators listen, what'd you tell your guys? Today? Yeah, study. No, I didn't. 
I said I didn't. Part of it is I can play dumb because I'm new, right? Mm. So I just said, guys, Tasty. take what you need to do today. You know, right. if you need to catch up, if you need to get some study done, do it. If you need to rest, do it. But be together. You know, spend spend some time together today, because part of it is like, I feel like I'm I'm trying to watch the I'm watching the the blips here when they start to beep, beep, heart beep, monitors. Beep. Right. You know, when the heart rate goes into the threshold mode, when they're going anaerobic, I'm like they're going to burn out. You just lost me. Oh, sorry. There's the threshold between aerobic exercise and anaerobic exercise. Go ahead. And you can ride in that threshold for a bit, uh-huh. but if you push it too hard and your heart rate stays too high, you're going to bonk. You got it? Exercise? So, so, I'm so you're making yeah, I'm gra- So you're making gravy. Got and you're it. making eggs, right? Got it. But yeah. you got to get the timing go on, right, go on, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. sorry. So I'm watching the threshold here, and I'm like, okay, it's mid-semester. They just finished midterms last week. Right. They're already running thin. They've been... Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, fifth gear here for too long. What are they going into? Back-to-back weekends of parish appeals, which means tri- driving. Yeah. They have to do it two weeks in a row? Two weeks in a row, right? And Every they, they got to make it to Thanksgiving here, right? Every guy has to give two talks? Yeah. When did that happen? That's this year. So I, all I'm saying is, yes, yes, studies, yes, the rules, be faithful to the life, but also... A little flexibility, as you would say to your merit. <laughs> That's right, exactly. So well, I, well uh, point. Yeah. So that was that was it. it was kind of a, a kind of. I trust you guys. You know how these things work, but um, yeah, they're going to get pizza today and be at the house, and they got they got to go. I mean, a whole hour mass. You have a couple hours, and then you're back in for a couple hours. Right. You didn't get a whole day off. That's yeah. what you need to convince these people. You didn't get a whole day off. At max, you have four hours. Right. You have four hours of class a day. Is right. that correct? Right. Four hours of class, and then sometimes you have afternoon sessions, but right. not normally, correct? I'm just like, if if you need to watch cat videos for two hours. Agreed. And that's going to really get you, I don't know, recharge. <laughs> you, this is what you do. Did I you don't. see Wunch's cat video the other day? Larkin was so mad, but uh, oh my gosh, it was so good. Anyways, yeah, we'll look at it on so, the break. Yeah. No, but I mean, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, if, if if that's what you're doing, you know, um, whatever it takes to just get back to that aerobic life and and sink. See, th- <laughs> see? <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, cat video. That's pretty good. Slapping the what is that? A French fry? It's a veggie fry. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, French fry. Oh freaking veggie fry! I ate that thing. We're gonna post this on the uh, Catholic stuff. Uh, yeah. Instagram page and Facebook. Thank well, that, you. Uh, good. Well, this was supposed to be a short one, so but we got. We're having a great time, was, actually. Great time. So FYI, he's on snow day. Our office is open right now. Uh, the office, uh, Saint Joan of Arc, has been open for forty-five minutes. So I got to get back. So uh, I do have one shout out. Um, the Czar family from Houston came and delivered this bottle of bourbon in fifty mile per hour winds. While I was outside, literally just holding my vestments like a sail and like leaning into the wind. And he was like giving me the, he was giving me the, the bourbon and I'm like trying to bless his family and, and my, my chasuble's like going up over my face. But, um, so to Michael, Kira, Oliver and Ugo, uh, from Houston, they gave us some Weller, uh, Weller, which is quite tasty. And we tried tasty. it last time. And then speaking of that, we got a bottle of red breast Irish whiskey from Dr. Anthony Valentino, also known as Tony Valentino, the Lego guy. Lego guy, yeah, that's right. Hey, right here. 
Yep. So thanks for yeah, the that? bottle of red breast. We have yet to uh, try it yet, but uh, appreciate always yeah, appreciate. He those. sent he sent a bottle of of uh, of whiskey to my parish marked for Father John only. Yes. I'm like, oh, thanks a lot. Yes, you the man, you the Lego man. Last uh, last suggestion. Um, as I've told you, I've unearthed a lot of things since I you know cleaned up uh, a few items from the storage shelf. Uh, I found this letter from uh, the Gutzaldos. Uh, they're the ones from Illinois who went through RCIA, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Um, but she's, uh, she or he, I don't know who wrote the letter. Um, she gave us the aged eggnog recipe from Alton Brown. And in it, in it, it says that you're supposed to make eggnog two months in advance. So, folks, hey, it's we got to get on this. One month in advance is not enough. Two months to Christmas, right about right now. Uh, aged eggnog, Alton Brown. Let's do it together. I'm going to make mine coming up this week. That's Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Thanks again for stopping by. Enjoy your day. Happy top, snow day. Top of the hour, eight degrees in Denver. Traffic report next. <laughs>